Merry Christmas, everyone. It's good to be together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you stand, if you're able, wherever you are at, for the reading of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and it all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Well, the main point today, friends, is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, was born into the world at a certain time to a destined place with specific witnesses into a hand-picked family. And this baby was given a particularly meaningful name, Jesus, which means God saves. The time, the place, the witnesses, the family, the name, all come together. It is as if God knew what God was doing. And wanted to tell the story in a way that would last for thousands of years. And so he did. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, dear Lord. For you are truly our rock and redeemer. You alone should we rightly be in awe of. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be founded upon. And you are the God who has come to earth. And we are here this Christmas day to praise you. May we have ears to hear. I pray that your people would not 
be distracted today. I pray that people would be praying for themselves to hear a message of truth and joy this morning. I pray that they'd be praying for me, that I may preach your word and, and that you may be glorified, that they may hear your truth, that your people would be prepared and built up to do your work in this world that needs to hear the story, Lord, your story. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to wander through this story and pray, in a sense, I want you to pray as we go. Pray that God would increase your wonder, our wonder, in, of this beautiful story, his story, and that he would help us ponder the deep truth of his plan to bring salvation to peoples of all nations through the Christ. The scripture says, in those days. In those days, a certain time. Verse 1 says, in those days. It's a certain time. Time. I wonder how much discussion and debate and wrangling went into the proclamation from Augustus. How much planning and decision making that all of his governors had to do like Quirinius. How, what kind of deciding did they have to do? What kind of plans? What kind of movement of people and resources for this major event? I wonder how so important it felt to them, right? Uh, I, I, I wonder how certain they were of their plan. But indeed, it was God's certain timing that was really bringing all these things together. Man make their plans, but God is overall knowing exactly what is going on. So it's kind of humorous. If you want to see some humor and joy in the story, that, that this census that Augustus did, that governors were involved in, it's lost to history. We only know about it because of, of the Gospel of Luke here. We, and, and the traveling of this peasant couple, Joseph and Mary, they are known to history, and they end up shaping history itself because of God working through them. And so we can have such certain big plans, maybe big Christmas plans, or, or the world can have such certain goals and plans, but it is God who is control in control of the timing of history. And in those days, those were his days. And today, friends, today is his days. We are his and so it came in those days, right? That they all went, each to his own town. Joseph and Mary off to Bethlehem because they were of the lineage of David and, and that's Joseph's town to go to for this census. They're dutifully doing what the government told them to do and God knew that they would do that because they are people of high integrity. He chose them for that reasons, right? For, those, for good reasons, that they would be the type of people who would do what the government said even though they probably didn't like it. And yet, they go with some difficulty and maybe some trepidation because Mary is very pregnant, all right? And they're carrying what the angel has told her is this special child, the Christ child, the one to be named Jesus. And they're traveling up and down hills. It says they travel up to Jerusalem, even though Jerusalem is south, because Jerusalem's on a hill, and, and Nazareth is a hill town too. So they go down hills, and they're going up hills. They're going over rough territory. And, and I wonder what they thought along the way. I wonder what their discussion was. Right. The different nights and days of travel. And we we think often of the birth night and their inability to get a place to stay. But there were there were nights before that night. There were dark nights where they stayed in other places where they where they had travel along the way. And I contemplate and I appreciate how God provided for them along the way and how God provides for us along the way in our journey of life where we go up and down through things we did not expect to go through. But he provides for us all the way. He is in charge. And they ended up in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. They ended up in this destined place, a destined city, right? 
Bethlehem's big claim to fame in the past was the city where King David was from. But before he was King David, he was Shepherd David. He was the, the younger brother of many siblings, right? David lived uh, a thousand years before Jesus was born. And when he was king, he, was, he reigned over a united Israel for 40 years. And God had promised to David, through David's family line, there would be a chosen king who would be a king forever, the Messiah in Hebrew language, the Messiah, the chosen one that would be a king forever in a forever kingdom. And the prophet said this kingdom would be a kingdom for all nations. People would come streaming to it. And yet now Bethlehem, a thousand years after that promise, it was just a small city. It's a, a few miles outside the capital city of Jerusalem. Nobody famous from Bethlehem anymore, really. They're just like Joseph. There's a lot of people who left that town to go somewhere else. It was, it was a place that was starting to be forgotten by God's people, even though it was in the promises of the Old Testament. There had been 400 years of prophetic silence. And it was just a, another city, another town, connected to their history for sure, but forgotten by many, but not forgotten by God. It's almost as if God wanted it this way, wanted to use an almost forgotten place that he had not forgotten. He wanted to use a small town to, to bring his special king to earth. And then it says, in that same region, in the same region, verse 8, a certain place. God wanted a certain place involved with the story. God's plan encompassed the surrounding region where the shepherds were, right? It's a rural setting. In the town, in Bethlehem, there was no room in the inn. But indeed, the time had come for the birth. And, 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 and the people of God, the people God wanted in the story, were all in their places. Whether it was the innkeeper with no real rooms in the house, the unnamed innkeeper, or whether it's the shepherds, they're in their places out in the field, guarding their sheep at night. They're working the night shift. All the... the, the Characters in the scene are there, like a well-rehearsed play, except the actors didn't even know the story God was unfolding. Only the true author and director knew what was going on, that the stage was set, that this was the time, this, these were the places, these are the characters I want. There were shepherds, the word says, specific witnesses that God wanted. The same region surrounding Bethlehem, out in the field, keeping watch. They were doing their job. And I've been pondering how much uh, th their mindset and their attitudes, their views of life changed that day. From the beginning of the shift when they were just some shepherds watching some sheep, maybe working for somebody else, maybe it was their own sheep. Maybe, maybe some of them were really downtrodden or having difficult lives. We don't know. But what we do know from the beginning of the shift to the end of that shift, their, their, their eyes had been opened to God's bigger plan. God wanted us, these shepherds knew. These shepherds who are unnamed to us were, were known by God, right? And he wanted them to be his witnesses, his messengers. He knows their name. He knows these shepherds' names. He, he knit them together, right? He knows your name. He knit you together. And, 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 and people who feel like they are left alone or they're unimportant, why do I have to toil in this job? God knows your name. He has you in the place he wants for his story. 
And so, yeah, the night was dark and lonely that night, and their fires and the stars and the moon and the sky were all that they had to, to light their way and to look after the sheep. But then suddenly into that cold darkness that evening, light triumphed over the darkness. Light overwhelmed the darkness. And this great light burst open. Heaven was opened to them. And the angel messenger shows up and it says, and the glory shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ or who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, a feeding trough. This, this glory that's shining around these, these humble shepherds. We think of shining, you know, and light, and we often think of light as light, as in not weighty, not heavy. But actually, when we talk of glorious light in the Scripture, in the Bible, the, the Jewish people, the glorious light of God, they understand it as a heavy presence, as a weighty presence, in a good way. Like when you feel the atmosphere change in a room in a serious moment, in a sacred time, and the room just feels different, Right? The, the glory or the presence of God is, is weighty. There's a real presence to it. Right? We can feel a thickness in the atmosphere, the air itself. It's, it's powerful. And that's because the, the heaven re, re, heavenly reality that's always all around us, but we can't see yet because of the veil before us, it's torn open. And the, the, the heavenly reality, which is more eternal and in a sense more real and more permanent, than our reality, it's breaking forth into sight and hearing and feeling, and it's real, it's palpable, it's right there. And so the angel has to say, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. I bring you good news of great joy. This is for everyone, the Savior from David's line, Christ, the Chosen One. The Lord is going to be a baby. You're going to see Him. He's going to be wrapped tightly in cloths, and He's going to be lying in a feeding trough. And think about this angel. This angel is from ancient days, right? This, this created special spiritual being that serves God in the heavenlies. He'd seen many things in the history of humanity, in the history of God's creation. But this angel got to declare this important message on this night of nights. The angels are humbled to be part of this. They're unnamed too because the story isn't about the shepherds really. The story isn't about the angels, really. They're about pointing to the one who's about, and the, sh the angels are just pleased and humbled to be there. First Peter, Peter wrote about this in a way. In First Peter, his letter, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, they were told that their messages were not for themselves. He's talking about the prophets of old. He says, they were told their messages were not for themselves, but for you. For you, believers, he says, and now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Hear that again, Peter says. So wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching or looking down from heaven as these things happen. The angels are excited to be a part of God's salvation plan for human beings. They long to look down at how it is unfolding. It's humbling, a humbling honor for that angel 
and to be there and announce. And then he suddenly is not alone because the heavenly host, we could say an army of angels appears, a vast multitude of angels we see in verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And this was no simple choir of five or six or ten or twenty this, this is host is more like a vast military force. They are numerous, maybe numerous beyond number. They are strong in appearance. They, they are overwhelming, right, in a sense, in all our senses. There's two quotes from Christian history that I want to cite to, to, to deepen our understanding about angels, but to, to really deepen our understanding of the story. And the first one is from Dionysus the Areopagite in the 5th century. So in the 400s, this church father wrote, Angels number a thousand times a thousand, ten thousand times ten thousand. They are so numerous indeed are the blessed armies of, of transcendent intelligent beings that they su surpass the fragile and limited realm of our physical numbers. So the ancient church believed that, that angels maybe outnumber human beings and that, that, that they go beyond our ability to count. That's a lot of angels. And did God involve all of his angels that night? Essentially ripped open all of heaven to show these humble shepherds right, that I'm doing this amazing plan, so you need to go to Bethlehem. The angels are right there. They can feel it. They can see it. Hilary of Poitiers wrote in, in ancient times, everything that seems empty is filled with the angels of God. There is no place that is not inhabited by them as they go about their ministry. God uses angels. God has angels. He can use them. He was using them. But here's the amazing thing. They're, they're suddenly, abundantly there, right? They're breaking forth from the eternal realm. They're announcing this most important news, and, and they're praising God in the highest. And they had this great anticipation in singing this to the humans. They've, they've lived with God. They know God's love. They've heard the plan, and they're called to announce the good news of the birth and, and, and to this dark world that needs the light. And they speak the truth that the light of God is being born and you'll find him in Bethlehem. And then what happens? They hand the ball off to a ragtag group of shepherds, human beings who don't live in the heavenly realms, who haven't lived for thousands of years, who are 15 years old, maybe 20 years old. Maybe there's a few of the older shepherds there and the ball is handed off to them. Now you go and see. And they found Mary and Joseph, this hand-picked family. Joseph, the earthly father, though God is the real father. Ma Mary, the, the, the true mother of Jesus. The, the angels disappear now, and, and, and their voices and their presence are slipping back to the eternal realm. But now the shepherds, they're blazingly delirious with deep joy. They had to, to go find the real light, who's actually probably in a dark cave or a or a corner of a stable somewhere. You got this, essentially, the angels say, here, here's the ball, go get him, go find him, and then tell the world. Now, from the shepherd's perspective, knowing what they were told from the angel and then the angel army, they have a simple task. They need to go to Bethlehem and find a baby lying in a manger. And the baby will be with this man and this woman. And they will think, how blessed are these people to have this baby? They are drawn into this story. But Mary and Joseph, just like the shepherds, it's God's 
pre-gift God's grace that they're even able to be in the story. Mary's not perfect, neither is Joseph, neither are the shepherds, but the perfect God has become one of us in the baby. And so all the eyes turn to the baby, the true light of heaven. And the baby was lying in a manger. The baby. That's the whole point of the story. That's why heaven was ripped open. And angels came. And they sent the shepherds, humble witnesses, to this humble king. Because this king was going to be a shepherd king who would give his life for his sheep. Vulnerable and humble is what we see. Vulnerable. You know, the word vulnerable comes from a, a sense of the word meaning woundable. That when you're vulnerable, you're able to be wounded, able to be hurt. You're at risk. The Son of God became woundable, became a baby that has to be held, has to be carried, has to be fed, has to be in a human way nurtured. Fully God, yet became fully human in all his needs. He was fully human, except he did not have the sin nature. He was vulnerable. He was woundable. He was humble. You know, the root word for humble means of the earth. Our God came to the earth. He became grounded. So here is the Son of God, the shepherds are finding out. And what does he look like? He looks vulnerable, a tender infant, laying on straw. Couldn't he catch a cold? Couldn't he get wounded and hurt by this world? But somehow they know, just like Mary and Joseph know, that the angels know, that this is God's plan. And all well, will be well because of this one, the Christ child. Friends, all is well in Jesus Christ. All is well in Jesus Christ. Because the light of heaven became one of us, God with us. Fully God became fully human, came down to earth, humbled himself, took on the nature of a human being, became a servant for us, became vulnerable, became wounded and, and uh, woundable and was wounded for our sakes. The light of heaven came to, to extinguish our darkness by taking our darkness upon himself and therefore all is well in him. Oh Lord, I pray that you would pour out a blessing of your Holy Spirit right now upon all who hear this message. That all is well in you because you love us so much that you came to earth. You became one of us in every way except in sin. And yet you were God. You did not hold on to that, that role in that sense. You became a servant and took on flesh and even became obedient to death, death on a cross for our sakes. Lord, may we hold out our hands to you, palms up. May we hold out our arms in a way that we would have to hold a baby. May we realize that there were arms and hands that held you, Mary, Joseph, maybe the shepherds held you. Help your people to imagine that you became that humble, that vulnerable. And help us now to see that, that you were 
also held by nails on the cross. Held in a very different way. Held to the cross because of our sin. But that's why you chose to came in to the world, Lord. So that you could take all that darkness upon yourself. You are the great light. You came so that you could hold us so that you could bring us into your family, so that you could make us your body, your people. Oh, Lord, thank you that you became one that could be held, and thank you now for holding us. And we put out our arms to you and say, hold us, Lord. Captivate us. May we be in awe of what you did, not only in the Christmas story, but in all of your story, Jesus, and how you became one of us and gave yourself for us. You are the great light. You have vanquished our darkness. All is well in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, friends. All is well in Jesus Christ, who loves you so much.